coming up next. It's important to get your tech, your, your tech side, like get your science, get those things that are sort of building blocks for this industry. But I, I definitely would suggest business course. Business courses, sort of time management, budgeting, all those are important. The Job Talk podcast shares stories from people who are passionate and love what they do in their careers. Through conversation, we explore their careers, past work experiences, and the education that got them to where they are now. We are putting together a Career Crisis Ultimate interview series. We are asking experts to give their best advice and guidance around work anxiety, career pressures, career goal setting, and ultimately career transformation. To learn more about this special interview series and get notified when it's available, please visit our webpage at thejobtalk.com help. Today's guest is Ryan Murray. Here's our job talk with an environmental professional. Just to get things started, I'm kind of curious, what is your actual job title? Uh, my actual job title is v- Vice uh, President of uh, Regulatory and Compliance Monitoring. So it's a mouthful. Uh, what it actually means is I help facilitate two groups of our two sides of our business. One is for the regulatory piece. So applications, uh, proponents and clients want to put a new building in a new project and we help all the paperwork. And the compliance side is once they're up and operational, we help them do the maintenance. So if there's a PIA, Alberta Environment Requirements for monitoring, we support those programs as well. Okay, this sounds complicated, and I'm going to be very curious to explain how you got into that position. But I want to take you back to your post-secondary, and I understand you were a hockey player and you were attending university. Is that correct? Yeah, I uh, I played a year at Augustana out at Camrose. I played a year there and, and took the first two years of my undergrad in Camrose. So the, the one year was very busy juggling hockey and, and school for sure. And, and how did you find that taking post-secondary courses and you were a goalie on a very high level of hockey? Yeah. So we, you know, it, it's, it's hard. It's a hard schedule. Uh, we were on the ice four or five days a week, I believe. So, but the school is nice in setting the schedule up so you can maintain uh, the ability to get your practice and your school work done. So typically most players, instead of taking a full course load of five, they took three to four courses. So most athletes, uh, or at least when I was at university, took four and a half or five years to get a four-year degree if they played sports for the full uh, full four years. Was your career ever looking like it was going to, there was a chance for being a professional hockey player? Uh, no, not really. I think <laughs> if it ever got close, it would have actually been after university and I was playing senior hockey. Uh, I played some senior hockey um, in the Chinook League, they call it the AAA Senior League. And at that time, there was a lot of those pro leagues popping up all over the U.S. And they were often looking for players interested in making 300 bucks a week American uh, riding on a bus. Uh, but I never quite made that cut either. Were, were you considering it, do you think? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. It was, okay. Uh, I don't wasn't interested in going to Amarillo, Texas to play hockey. <laughs> Go see the world. Play yeah, hockey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so you're taking what courses, what program were you taking at university? So when I started out in cameras, I took general sciences. Yeah. Uh, and then when I, when I went to university and transferred to U of A, where I graduated, the one that was most interesting to me was the environmental conservation sciences. So, so that's, that would be things like your wildlife sciences, your soil science, vegetation, ecology, so more of the soft sciences. 
uh, that was sort of the the gist of that program, learning how to, learning environmental regulations in Alberta and Canada, contaminated sites management. So it was sort of a precursor to getting into being an environmental professional. I'm always curious about industries like the one that you went into, because when you're a kid, you're not thinking that one day I'm going to be an environmental professional. I, I have a friend that's in, in, in insurance, and he said it was basically the last booth at a career fair that he, he came yeah. across. Yeah. So why do you think you chose to go into environmental sciences? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, so one of the things that intrigued me is when I was growing up, I, I grew up in an area with a lot of oil and gas activity. And so a lot of neighbors, friends, family friends, they were in that industry, whether it be on the operational side, so drilling wells, uh, the finance accounting side. There's a lot of people we knew in that oil and gas industry. And I was lucky enough in high school that was a summer job that I was working up at a place called Swan Hills. Uh, it's a little town an hour and a half from where I grew up. And it's an oil town. And so I got I got some exposure working at a, at a gas plant. Uh, actually, of all things, I learned quite a bit about that industry. And then the other big piece about it is I like being outdoors. So the industry I'm in, there's a ton of field work, a ton of opportunity to see all sorts of places in Canada uh, to collect data, to write reports. And so that was inter interesting to me is to be outside. Uh, you know, you're on ATVs, Argos. That was really actually a big draw for me too, being outside and also... Um, it sounds cheesy, but I did like the idea of, of, you know, environmental protection and those sorts of things. And what is the degree when you come out of university? So Kim, there's, you know, it's kind of funny. The degree I have is ENCS, Environmental Conservation Sciences. It's an undergrad in science. Uh, but, but currently, you know, Vertex Professional Services, the company I work in, we recruit from all sorts of uh, colleges, uh, the agriculture colleges, the tech colleges, the Nates, the States, uh, universities. So anything typically with an agrology, a science, a biology, a forestry background, those are all uh, typically individuals that get into our industry. Okay. And is it qu quite intense, the subject matter in obtaining that, that degree? Yeah, they can be. Yeah, uh, I would say, I mean, uh, it's not engineering, it's not medicine. Uh, but because you're taking such a wide breadth of, of courses, you have to kind of be a jack of all trades uh, on your course, course load. And your marks were good coming out of there? They were okay. Yeah, they were. I got five. <laughs> they were all right. Because we could look into it. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you graduate with your degree. Let's talk about your first uh, work experience coming out of post-secondary. What were you doing? Yeah, well, I can give you the short or the long of it, but... Uh, you know, it's a podcast. Let's go long. Let's go long. Uh, so when I graduated as, as um, you know, living in Western Canada, especially in Alberta, many people probably know there's an ebb and flow with oil and gas and there's booms and busts. It just so happened when I left university, I think I finished in December of 2012 or 2000. So kind of April 2001, you're looking for work. I ended up in a welding shop, um because there was no jobs for, I was there for four or five months, there was no jobs in my field. Uh, and I started actually flipping the yellow pages open, looking for anything with the word environmental or consulting in or professional. Uh, and I, I did uh, land a job by through the yellow pages, applying for a position uh, for with a small firm. And that's how I kind of got my foot in the door. So it was pretty bleak for the first six months, yeah. I, I don't think kids watching this will know what the yellow pages are because yeah. there wasn't really much of an internet when we were coming out of school. No, that's right. Okay, so you you landed in there. What kind of work were you doing once you landed that first job? 
Yeah, so it was actually it was a great job. I was lucky to get that job. I spent um, so so our industry is really based on weather. When the weather's nice and, and there's growing conditions, you're out in the field, and in the winter time, you're writing reports uh, or you're way up in the bush uh, when it's frozen. You can access sites. So the first six months I was there, I was probably in the field 95% of the time. When I say the field, a lot of the work I was doing was called detailed site assessments or site inspections. So you go to well sites or other facilities that are already reclaimed and the client wants to get a rec cert on them, meaning they don't have to pay any more rent to a landowner, for example. And we would do assessments all summer. So I did a lot of that. Uh, I did some interesting live mammal trapping. Um, we, they, none of them were harmed in the making of, of that activity. Um, a lot of veg surveys, I learned a lot about vegetation identification. So a lot of field work, uh, both up north, Slave Lake, Fort McMurray and down south all the way to Oyen. That was in the first six months. So there's a lot of diversity and it was, it was great. So at this point, are you married yet or are you a single guy? We were engaged. When you I were started. engaged. Yeah. Okay. Because obviously it sounds like you're away from home quite a bit while you're doing this type of field work. Yeah. Yeah. There, okay. there was a lot of, it was a lot of 10 days on, four days off the first summer. Um, uh, you know, and lot, you know, this... This profession, you know, there's a lot of hours, especially in the field. In the summer, they're usually 12 hour days. Um, so there's a lot of hours to be had, which is great when you're starting out because you want the experience and it's nice on the wallet. I'm always curious about the wildlife when you're out. So are you using like quads or are you in four by four trucks out in the wilderness? And did you have any experience with bears? Yeah, actually we, we have. So the answer to the first part, we take this trucks as far as they'll take us, then you either unload Argos uh, or quads, or now it's side-by-sides. Most companies prefer that you use side-by-sides, they're safer. And we often use helicopters too, actually came a fair bit. So uh, yeah, we I've had a few projects we actually helicopter into like a fishing lodge in Northern Alberta and you stay there and they fly you out every day to your site and they fly you back at the end of the day. So we, I've had some crazy encounters with bears, super scary. I mean, you laugh about them now, but instances where you're in places they don't actually haven't seen many humans, so they're more curious. So we used to have to, we used to carry a ton of bear bangers. They make a big bang and they shoot like a little shell over top of them. We used to carry those uh, quite frequently in bear spray. So you'd, you'd often run into them. Most of the time they disappeared. We had a couple that would follow us around, which is a little unnerving. So lots of experiences with that. And we're talking grizzlies or black bears? No, black bears. Black bears. Okay. I mean, if a bear's attacking you, it doesn't really matter if it's black no. or grizzly. <laughs> no, no. Okay. How many years were you with that company and what was your progression? Um, I guess we're trying to work towards what you're doing right now. So I don't really know what happened in between that position and where you are now. So I stayed at that firm uh, for 12 years, which uh, is a long time in our industry, especially now. A lot of people, you know, look for opportunities after four or five once they get some experience and, and have a feel for what they want to do. I was lucky enough that they let me grow quite a bit. I started out doing a ton of field work. So the first two or three years, I spent a lot of time uh, out in the field, winter and summer. And I had a wide range of projects. So I was doing contaminated sites work. So you're actually out behind a drill truck, drilling soil samples, collecting them, sending them to a lab and then writing a report. And I also did a lot of the, the sort of softer science stuff. So I got to do a ton of soil surveys. That's sort of the fun stuff here in the helicopter on the Argo. Um, I did a bunch of that, uh, a bunch of vegeta vegetation ID work. So that was the first three to five years. 
then I kind of specialized actually in the soil science. That's my minor at university was soil science. So um, I started doing a lot of those. And at that time, so that's 2007 to 2010 or 11, there was a bunch of activity uh, in Northern Alberta building uh, what they call in-situ plants or oil sands projects. So they're, they're large footprints. So they required a lot of um, soil survey, vegetation survey work. So I spent a few years doing a lot of that and slowly progressed into more of a management role of those types of teams. And then when I left uh, that firm at that time, I was a team leader of a biophysical group. So I kind of oversaw our wildlife teams, our vegetation teams, our soils teams, and our wetland group. Are you surprised that you ended up in management as a vice president? That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I never, I, I never thought I would be in a role um, like this. Um, it's never what I was thinking when I got into this. Hey, that's where I want to be when I grow up as a vice president or a senior leader in a company like this. I actually just thoroughly enjoyed doing the, the science, the technical side. I always kind of thought I'd stick to the technical side of it. And there's room to grow and lots of opportunities in, in that facet of the business as well. I was going to ask, actually, when you're doing the work that you were doing, is it solitary or are you working with a team of people? Uh, when, when I first started, we did a lot of stuff uh, on our own with little radios. And then, uh, you know, rightfully so, safety became more power paramount. So you do most of your work, especially remote work, you do in teams. Okay. At least two. Yeah. And how are, okay, actually, I, I think I'm going to back up a little bit. Let's talk about your position now and the company that you're working for. Yeah, so I'm with Vertex Professional Services. We are, uh, Sherwood Park's actually the, the head office, which is unique. Most consulting firms, the head offices are in Calgary. Our head office and, and corporate group is in Sherwood Park. We are relatively large. As a company, I believe we're just over 1,200. Um, but we're, we're, two, we're two groups. We're a Vertex resource group. So we also deal with hydrovac trucks, oil field haulers, rental division, and then the group I'm uh, in is called the professional services team. So it's engineering environment, which I'm involved with, surface land, uh, and that group's, we're one big happy family, but the group that I sort of, um, I'm a part of, we're about 300 people. So we're okay. the smaller of the two groups. Uh, I've been with them for four years. I uh, started in late 2018 and have just sort of progressed from managing biophysical groups. One of the main reasons I came on. Uh, to sort of spearheading a larger group. And how are you finding being a manager and in management? Because it's not like you went to business school. Um, you, you were in science. So how, how are you finding the management side of things? I'm, I'm learning, always learning. Uh, like you said, I didn't go to business school. And that's one thing I would say to anybody interested in this field. Uh, it's important to get your technical your, your tech side, like get your science, get those things that are sort of building blocks for this industry. But I, I definitely would suggest business course, business courses, sort of time management, budgeting, all those are important. So back to your question, um, I find uh, the people side of it. I think I'm a people person. So I enjoy that component of managing a team, growing a team. I like team sports and I really think a lot of it, it it's the same, same sort of idea. It's a team team game, if you will, with our group. So I enjoy that atmosphere. Uh, so I like dealing with people, making sure people are getting the resources they need to get the work done, seeing people succeed, uh, seeing people promoted. 
the tricky part is the business the, the dollars and the cents is, is what I'm learning. I have a good uh, senior manager above me that helps out a lot with that. So that's a piece I didn't really pick up till later in my career. Um, and I'm by no stretch, am I great at it, but I'm getting better at it. I, I would love to talk to you about like, are you experiencing labor shortages at all within your company? And I'm, I'm thinking about the student that's going through environmental um, sciences right now, what they can start to think about as far as what jobs are out there. Yeah, Kim, we have, I would put us as an extreme labor shortage in our industry. <laughs> I yeah. don't think I'm exaggerating. Um, we hit a bit of a blip. So COVID, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, it hit in 2020. And so we, a lot of our project works almost came to a screeching halt, like everything else did in the world for, for a few months. Uh, and what happened, and this is not proven science, is sort of our, or my interpretation. A lot of people decided to leave this industry um, and, and did not come back when things picked up, which actually was only a few months later, things started to get busy again. So you couple that with, uh, there was a lot of funding opportunities from the federal government. They provided um, industries that we work with money to reclaim and, and get rid of old well sites. So that jumped up. And then I think things started to turn around and capital projects uh, came back online. So we went from zero to hundred miles an hour within about six or eight months. And we've been sort of struggling ever since to find uh, qualified staff, anywhere from entry level positions, uh, all the way up to intermediate and senior level. There just isn't enough people in Alberta or Western Canada to go around for the, the workload that's currently out there. I mean, you took the initiative to open up the yellow pages and just start contacting as yeah. many environmental companies as you could. Would you say that would still be a, a good uh, bit of advice for students just to start canvassing um, oil companies, environmental, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I would say there's a number of associations too. Um, you know, what, depending what your interest is, if you're interested in wildlife biology or fish biology or any of those aspects, those, the Alberta Society of Professional Biologists, ASPB, they have a website with job postings. Um, the CLRA, Canadian Land Reclamation Association. So there's a lot of associates and they have a job postings um, site. Uh, the Alberta agrologist, same thing. So a lot of those sort of disciplines have Alberta affiliations with websites. Uh, we use, you know, probably like everyone else, we use Indeed a lot. We post on our website. So there is a lot of opportunity. I mean, if you know where to look. Yeah. All right. When you were in the field, actually, I'm going to ask you a two-part question. When you were in the field, what was the, what, what did you love doing the best? What did you look forward to in your day-to-day -day work? When you're out in the field uh well i like again i like the outdoors yeah. so this is gonna be a two-part answer on that first part of the second part question <laughs> yeah. um i really enjoyed so when i was out doing soil surveys there's two types of land you get a chance to walk through upland so nice forested like you see in the movies <laughs> and then the swamps the stuff that's tough to walk through so if i knew i had a day where i was in an area that was all upland like aspen or white spruce forest and you could spend the day walking around there great day when we when we got stuck in areas that were full of water um, lots of muskeg you're jumping from piece of dry land to piece of dry land those were really long days and rain um, so i like being outdoors but i'm a bit of a weather picky with my weather and what do you look forward to now that you're in the management side of things? Uh, so 
like, you know, the day to day, what I look forward to is, is probably if we're able to get some projects, get a new project in, in house that excites people. Um, I mean, you know, we always say in consulting, if you get to do 40% of stuff you really like to do 40, that's indifferent and 20, you don't like to do, that's a pretty good career. Uh, so when we get that 40% of interesting projects come in or we have a success for a client, we get something approved that that's a good day for sure. When we get those new opportunities. All right. I read a half headline once, did not research into anything, but the, the headline was something, uh, it was speaking to how many orphaned wells there are in our province and I guess Saskatchewan as well. Yeah. Maybe we say Western Canada. Um, I would, you know, from a very naive place, I would suggest that that would mean that if you're going into this kind of work, there's going to be a lot of work for a long time for you. Are there a lot of orphaned wells out there that need to be taken care of? Yeah, there is. I don't know the number and I don't want to get it recorded if I guess, but there is a significant amount and it's gone up a lot in the last five years. The, the regulatory requirements are getting more stringent and companies are required to reduce their liability more and more every year. So it's just even from a standpoint of, of non-orphan wells, there's a ton of work uh, coming up in the next decade or 15 years, uh, just just in that that sector of our industry. I mean, oil and gas is only a part of, of sort of being an environmental professional. It's a big one in Western Canada, but there's also lots of other avenues, renewables, transmission lines, um, commercial industrial developments around cities, greenfield and brownfield developments. So I always want to make sure people understand that oil and gas is only a portion of kind of what you can do as an environmental professional. But again, in Western Canada, it's a pretty big one uh, right now. Ryan, how do you stay up to date on best practices in environmental management? So most uh, professionals in, the, in, in uh, environmental consulting usually have a designation. Uh, that's what we, you, know, you should be shooting towards is getting a de designation of professional sign-off, they call it. And part of having that is an annual requirement to do professional development or, or contribute to. So you have to do so many hours of professional development annually to maintain your designation. And so most of us, we look for career fairs, um, conferences, online learning, Actually, if you're also teaching or doing some other things to augment uh, your skill set, those all count towards it. So many of us do those sorts of activities to try and maintain and get enough points, if you will, to keep the designation, which is a great idea. It keeps everybody up to speed. Everybody's up to, on the current uh, regulations, and it's, it's a good habit. So continuous learning, lifelong learning. Yeah. I like that. What is the best advice you could give to that student that's graduating with their degree in environmental sciences, entering the work world? I would say be open to doing any sort of field work. Don't be closed-minded and say, I only want to do X and Y. I think the more and the different types of work you're exposed to and opportunities early on in your career, it's great. Because then you learn right away what you like to do and what you don't like to do. Um, I was lucky enough to have that opportunity to do soup to nuts in the first six to 16 months I was there. And I learned real quick, which, what was my passion and things I could leave, you know, not really deal, want to deal with. And I would suggest that be open-minded. Uh, don't just look for one type of role um, and take as much field work as you can get. Don't be turning that down. I think that's invaluable. It just makes you a better professional when you get to a position where you're actually building budgets and you're doing programs, you understand what it takes to execute the work. So that's a big, I would, that would be my biggest suggestion for people getting into the industry. 
it almost seems like you would be building a uh, resume for a, maybe a future as a politician. Have you ever considered going into politics? Never. No. <laughs> no. That's, sorry, Kim. I, I, yeah, that takes a special kind of person. Okay. Uh, maybe that is an avenue for, for some people. <laughs> Anytime that you can pick a career that involves helicopter rides and uh, the possibility of bearer attacks, you've picked an, an exciting profession. So yes. congrats on that, Ryan. And thank, thank you. you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Job Talk podcast. For more information, please visit us at thejobtalk.com. Our podcast music was created by our friend Mike Malone in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada.